0: This episode has been brought to you in part by the Azrieli Music Prizes. Join them in celebrating artistic excellence at the AMP Gala Concert, live from Maison Symphonique in Montreal, happening October 20th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Orchestre Metropolitain will premiere award winning music by laureates Aharon Harla, Iman Habibi, and Rita Ueda. Learn more at AzrieliFoundation.org/AMP.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Ralph ben Welcome to Hill, brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. And by the way, thank you to everybody who listens. I, I understand since we've started this whole schlamazel, uh, we've got about 50,000 people who have had to listen to Hill. so that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and thank you for being one of those people. Um, Niagara Falls, slowly I turn, step by... Sorry, it's the old Lucy show. I don't remember that one. Um, everybody. So uh, in my family, when you came from, from another country like we did, every time your relatives also showed up to live here, we all drove to Niagara Falls. That's what you had to do. You had to go, look, there it is. And they had to admit it was jaw-dropping. It was a very intense experience. We'd picnic in the public park, and I'd always stand at that place where the water goes over the edge, Because the water is perpetually moving, but the rock is still. So I'd be hypnotized by it until I'd feel my uncle grab my ear and say, Come on, what are you doing? And then off we'd go for the picnic. Well, Niagara Falls, uh, since 1918, I believe, has had a Jewish uh, reality to it that has changed over the years. And uh, Bob Mueller has been part of all of that, as has his family. And uh, he's now the president of the synagogue in Niagara Falls which has been called different things, but is now called B'nai Tikvah. So, Bob, uh, welcome to Yehopidsville.
0: Thank you. I'm honored to be here.
1: Well, um, tell me a bit about, I mean, this is a very over 100-year-old community of Jewish people in Niagara Falls. Tell me a, a bit about the history, would you?
0: Yeah, so the first families started to congregate probably, like you say, around 1918, 1920, and they held services in a house um, just off of the main drag there, um, not not far from the falls at all. And then uh, in 1937, there were enough members to um, actually build a synagogue. So it was uh, called Congregation Bene. Well, originally it was called Congregation Bene Yankov. Oh, yeah. But that eventually changed to Congregation Bene Jacob.
1: What drew the Jewish population to Niagara Falls? Was it just commerce? Or it's what
0: hard it? to say exactly, but it, it, to me it it's probably was kind of a word of mouth hmm. thing that um, some immigrants came and kind of liked the, the area and you know, found um, other Jewish people, and uh, people just started coming together. And then uh, and when, when my grandparents came over, in 39. Um, at that time the government was offering some land to immigrants um, if they signed a contract that they would work it for I believe it was seven years and uh, my parent, or my grandparents did that and uh, there were at least three or four other um, Jewish families that had come over from uh, from Europe you know to escape uh, um, the Nazis and, uh, so,
1: uh... Yeah, she did it, that. So just, were your parents farmers? Are your grandparents farmers? Or did they just have know, my, farmers? No, actually,
0: my grandfather and his brother had a, uh... It was kind of like a feed store kind of thing in, in, right. in uh, Bratis, near, near Bratislava. And, uh, they, um... Yeah, so it, it, they came... They, they literally left Czechoslovakia three days before the Nazis got there. Wow. And, yeah, and, uh made it just in time, and in fact, um, they had tickets on uh, the Athenia to go across, and of course, um, when they went for uh, medical testing, they said that my dad, who was seven, eight years old at the time, they said he had uh, pink eye, so they wouldn't let them on the ship. So they had to go into town and find a doctor that would you know, write him a note, so they missed the Athenia, which eventually got torpedoed. Wow. And the ship that they got on li- literally picked up survivors from that uh, from that ship. So um, this okay, anti-Semitic so doctor... A you got to write oh, yeah. a book called
1: Pink Eye. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're right. <laughs> you got to. That's insane. Oh, it, was, it, it was unbelievable how uh, it was an anti-Semitic doctor that, that <laughs> did that and basically saved their lives.
1: Wow. That's I'm serious. Pink Eye. I'm waiting for the novel. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. The minute we finish, get yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah,
0: I'll start. <laughs> sure. Sure,
1: sure. That is a crazy story. Um, now, am I wrong in uh, Barbara Frum, Yeah. Eddie Greenspoon. Yeah.
0: Eddie Greenspan. Brian Greenspan. Um,
1: Span. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So yeah. famous lawyers and Barbara Frum, of course. Yeah. Legendary. broadcasters. All, all Har- from Niagara Har- Falls, right?
0: Yeah. Harold Stein. Ron Zucker. All doc, you know, famous doctors that yeah. came from that
1: area. Yeah. so See, yeah. you, you, you did. You did fine. You, you you hatched a good brood of of <laughs> I, talent I I, like, there. I I
0: like to think so.
1: Yeah, but you get a synagogue. So the Ferry Street Shul. Tell me about that mm-hmm. because it, it's still there, but we can yeah, figure so, out what's going to happen. But
0: so in the in the I would say in the seventies was probably the height of uh, the Jewish community, and there were. About 90, 80, 90 Jewish families at that time. And then over the years, as what happens in many communities, the numbers kind of start to to, to dwindle a bit. And uh, we had a rabbi that was with us for 27 years. And in 1996, when he retired, at that point, you kind of take stock and we found ourselves with 25 families. Hmm. So we, we couldn't. We couldn't uh, really um, attract a rabbi to come, you know, to Niagara Falls and stay. But um, at that point, I kind of became a spiritual leader. And then in the year 2000, we amalgamated with uh, a congregation from St. Catherine's called Temple Tikva. And they were about the same size. So we kind of doubled our numbers. Um, They came to our shul because they were just leasing the annex of a church. Right. So they were looking for, for a home, basically, and uh, so we, we could provide that. So we uh, kind of, it breathed a whole new life into us. In fact, they tell, the Canadian Jewish Congress told us that it was uh, the first time in Canada that a reform and a conservative community uh, joined together. So there were a lot of compromises that needed to be made, and we did, we did it.
1: Yeah, how do you navigate that? Like, that, there must be a push and pull to that.
0: Well, yeah. Um, so at the beginning of the amalgamation, we had uh, co-presidents. So I was um, chosen from Congregation Bene Jacob, and uh, gentleman Chuck Schulman was uh, chosen from Temple Tikva. And for the first five years or so, we uh, we kind of did it together, and uh, I think everybody was very receptive. Um, right. Niagara Falls, like the the conservative. We had just, you know, we our numbers were were were. It was hard to get minions, so we kind of because we had to, we started to include women in in the minion. And uh, of course, when we when we joined uh, with uh, the Reform synagogue, they're totally egalitarian, so it really wasn't a a, a hard thing for us to do. Um, and for, for them, you know, they might not have been as used to wearing a yarmulke or, or a tallis in, in, in the sanctuary, um, but they were more than willing to do that, and so it kind of kept everyone happy.
1: And a kosher kitchen.
0: We had a kosher kitchen at the As opposed weekend. to a kosher-style yeah. kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: I like this idea, though, that, you know, you learn from each other in a way. Like, oh, yeah. So now that so when you find yourself in that situation where there's some things from the reforms that you pick up, how, what has that done to you as a Jew?
0: So, I mean, in, in 1996, when when I kind of kind of took over, I mean, I, I it was kind of thrust on me. Like I, I probably wouldn't have chosen it, but um, but I was the only one really that could that could do a service at the right. time. So, uh, but then in, in 2000 we amalgamated. Um, you know with the amalgamation we we, we um, adopted their spiritual leader, His name was Mike Weersba, and he was a just a, a sponge of knowledge he wasn 't a rabbi, he was a lay leader, but a very smart man and we really hit it off and uh, from ninety six to two thousand obviously, I had a lot to learn and uh, and in two thousand, Mike really helped me. Um, further my, 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 my Jewish education because he, he he was he was brought up as a, a he was uh, brought up in Australia as an Orthodox Jew oh yeah so he, he really knew the whole you know the whole spectrum it. so yeah um, it really really helped me with uh, with my education um, and, uh yeah
1: yeah it's funny once you get into these situations where necessity becomes part of practice you know it can change the way you see what you're doing right?
0: Oh God, yeah, yeah. I mean, I all of a sudden, I, I, I took over '96 uh, just uh, just around uh, Yontef, the high holidays, and a month later I, I had to do a, a funeral and wow, it it was it was it, it, I really had to learn quickly, put it that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, now you know. I mean, most good things are forced on us anyway. We don't we don't voluntarily yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. You got it. So, how many families are there in Niagara Falls now?
0: so now we're probably back to maybe 20 families wow. um, a lot of the fa- i mean what happens in, in in most communities you know the, the matriarchs and the patriarchs they, they pass away and then and then their extended family don't they don't come anymore for high holidays and things like that so the numbers just just started going down
1: yeah, and there's always and, the same thing about opportunity. You know, go to the big smoke and find yourself yeah, exactly. a good job. Well,
0: and that's and that's what will happen to a lot of our people is that their kids uh, went off to university, you know, a lot in Toronto,
1: yeah. and
0: they never came home. You right. know, they they might have settled and stayed in Toronto, had kids, got, you know, had married, got kids, and then the the grandparents living here finally decided, you know, let's uh, let's move to Toronto to be closer to the kids, grandkids, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens. Happens all over the country. It's the way it is sometimes. Um, Tell me about the shul because uh, you know it's this little white, yeah, little building in 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 the the middle of the city. Tell me about it. it, it, Where where it was and where it's where it's at now.
0: So uh, about a year ago, we. um, So let me start by saying. As the as the community got smaller, we had a harder time, you know, having getting minions. Um, I mean, we used to have minions every Shabbat, but uh, you know, then that kind of kind of dwindled. And then uh, it got to the point where we were really only using the shul five or six times. And at that point, we started to realize that that building was, you know, starting to show its age. Um, there was a we ended up with a big mold problem and it would have it would have cost us about $80,000 to to fix that place up so that we could you know still use it and for you know 20 families whatever it just it just didn't seem um worth it you know for for mm-hmm. for for the fact that we used that building maybe four or five times a year so uh we it, it it's right in the heart of the tourist area so we, we always knew that it, it wouldn't be hard to, to sell necessarily. I mean, there was no there was no parking there. It was kind of um, kind of stuck in, in between these two motels, um, but um, but it was home to us. So
1: so where have you sold it?
0: Yeah, we we sold the building just about a year ago. Um, and, and uh, what did you do? Now, what,
1: you had stained glass uh, windows. in Oh, there, yeah. So, really so that, you that, that, was?
0: that was that was really the hard part because there was so much in that shul, you know, that meant a lot to me and, and, and the members. Um, like we had um, seven stained glass, huge uh, stained glass windows. And the thought was, you know, like we don't want to leave it behind. But nobody had a house, you know, big enough that it would even, you know, it would work. So, um, we eventually, um, we, we put it in storage once we, once we moved out. Um, there were also two huge yard site boards that we had all the yard site plaques on. So we kept those as well. And then, uh, once we moved out, we thought, you know, we, we've got to do something with this stuff. We don't want it just sitting in storage. So we have a a Jewish cemetery in Niagara Falls and, uh, years ago we, um, Erected a Holocaust memorial, which uh, we've you know we was a big thing for us, and um, we've decided right after we moved, we decided uh, with the help of the city of Niagara Falls um, to try and display these things. And what we came up with were two structures that had three windows around, and as a base um, we put the yard site plaques embedded into the base of, of, of the structure. So that used up six of the windows and the one the last window we donated to the Niagara Falls History Museum and they've had it on display as well.
1: That's a very good solution. Well, I love that. Well what about mean, the, what about the Taurus?
0: So we I mean when we amalgamated there were B'nai Jacob had five Torahs and Temple Tikva had two Torahs so um, very soon into the amalgamation um, I was at a a conference and met a woman from Barrie Ontario and she was telling me that they you know they have 300 families but they don't have a shul they didn't they don't even have a Torah (laughs) so I said we have we have torahs, you know. It's a shame they're, they're still <laughs> we have torahs <laughs> exactly. So so we donated a torah to them, and nice. uh, pretty soon they someone donated some land, and, and now they're a, they're a, they're a big shul in, in, in Barrie.
1: Well, um, that's that's um, paying its flowers, right? Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's and a then
0: uh, we had uh, one torah we donated to uh, community in Oakville because one of our old members was a member there um we've donated uh we donated one torah to a, a Hillel. Um, oh yeah. I want to say Kingston, I'm not 100% sure, um but we donated to to them. And uh so the three torahs we had left, um oh the one torah also went to the Noriver Shul in Toronto. Sure,
1: the Brun- in Brunswick in Toronto. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I belong there for over 20 years.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess they needed an extra Torah for uh, when they had the high holiday services at the community center. Yeah,
1: because they only
0: had one. They only had one Torah to take, and then they'd always have to yeah. like, roll it to the right spot. So, so someone again, it was an, an ex member who was there and said, "Can we have a Torah?" So we gave them one. So we have three Torahs. One of the Torahs is um, the from the the Czech. Torahs? I don't know if you've heard of Czechoslovakia Torahs. So what happened um, during World War II when the Nazis were going through um, Czechoslovakia, they were you know, looting whatever they could find in, in their little villages and in, in their, um, their synagogues. And for some reason and nobody really knows why but they kept all the Torahs that they found. And they ended up burying, I think like 1500 Torahs Close to 1,500 Torahs. And after the war, uh, uh, communities in Westminster, in London, found out that these Torahs had been buried away. And they found out where, and they had them exhumed, and they had them repaired because, you know, they were in pretty rough shape. And they cataloged them all. And then they gave them away to uh, communities all over the world. So Canada received 11 of those Torahs. And we received one of those. Wow. So it's a very, it's a very special, very special Torah. And we know, we know the, the village from Czechoslovakia where it came from. Um, obviously, no, no Jews left there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we we, we we, you know, we would take it out during uh, Yom Hashoah. You know, because right. it basically is a Holocaust survivor.
1: You know, when you say that, it reminds me. Sometimes you go to different parts of the world and you see. Synagogues that have become museums. They're no longer synagogues. There's no Jews left there. So we sort of leave this trail of Judaism around the world of having been, as diasporic people, having been moving on, having been moving on. And now I'm thinking of Niagara Falls and having been, is Niagara Falls moving on? Or do you think that there's going to be always a little kernel of Judaism in that city?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think... I'd like I'd like to think that that we will you know continue um, it's I mean it, it's hard to to attract you know Jewish people to uh, you know to a town um, but um, but I'm hoping that uh, that will uh if we hang around long enough, I I, I think um, there'll be a resurgence. I'm hoping.
1: I got to talk to my friend Z- Zane Kaplansky and see if he can get a deli going there. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> there that'll you do go. it. The I'm not going day. to Fallsview Casino. I'm going to do yeah. Kaplansky's. They want to smoke me.
0: That would work.
1: <laughs> that would work yeah. at least for yeah. a day or two. Yeah. So um, that's so. Th- is the is the building torn down? The synagogue, or the, is it no?
0: Repurposed? The the, bu- the building's still there. Um it was bought by uh by one of the, the larger hotels in town because they're kind of buying up that whole block and eventually they'll they'll develop it but um I think like the mold situation everything was just it made yeah. it too much to, to actually do something with so it's just been sitting vacant um and we'll you know eventually we'll get torn down but we're uh we've already uh reserved the. We're going to get the the cornerstones and things like that. Nice.
1: So, so uh, high holidays this year, you're going to have them where?
0: So we've rented a, a conference room at one of the hotels, and
1: uh, and you're going, going to lead the, to service. the
0: service. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I, we, I mean, we kept all the machzors and yeah. Um, and we'll bring we'll bring our Torahs. and yeah.
1: How you feel about leading the service?
0: I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> I mean. I mean, a, a regular Shabbat service is not a problem. But, right. And, and, and the funny part is, I mean, I go every year, right? And I, yeah. and I, I dove and I, hear, I listen to it all. But then to be thro- you know, put in front, it's a totally different story. Not the same. So, not yeah, the same.
1: Yeah. It's just like, wait a minute. Am I forgetting anything?
0: Yeah, exactly. So I've, it, I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of practicing, studying.
1: Are you going to do the shofar?
0: Yep. Yeah. Wow. The shofar, the Torah, the whole thing.
1: You're doing the whole spiel. Yeah. What a wonderful thing you're doing. What makes you do this? Why, why have you not just gone, ah, eh, good luck?
0: I think, I mean, I started going to shul every Saturday with my grandfather and uh, and my dad. And like I still remember where every one of the, my grandfather's generation, I remember exactly where they sat. I, I started um, calling people up to the Torah. That was one of my jobs when I was you know, before I before I was Bar mitzvahed. Hmm. So all those uh, of that generation, you know, they really put a lot of their hard work into establishing that community. And I guess I just feel, you know, the old Jewish guilt thing, you know? I I, I, I want it to to continue for them.
1: Yeah. See that's the end of the book Pink Eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and by the way, the uh, Barry Torres is in the middle of the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, there, <laughs> there are right. so many
1: good things about this story. All right, okay. Send me everything. I'll write the story. Okay, there I'm, we not, go. I'm that, not a Czech Jew, good. so it's not going to work. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy thing. Well, listen. Uh, I hope you have a, a really meaningful and beautiful service uh, that you'll lead uh, and. To all the Jewish souls who've gone through Niagara Falls or live in it now, uh, it sounds like uh, it's been a good and sweet uh, over a century of finding a way to keep Judaism alive in, in uh, the honeymoon capital of the world, as it were.
0: Yeah, yeah well, Shana tova to you and your family. Shana tova. And, uh,
1: and uh, keep it going. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thanks, Bob.
0: Doing my best. Thank you very much.
1: Bob Muller is the president of B'nai and uh, this has been Yehuppitzville, sponsored by Pear Tree Canada, reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift donors. Learn more at peartreecanada.com. I'm your host, Ralph Ben Murgi. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country visiting more small Jewish communities, Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more of my work, I host another podcast called Not That Kind of Rabbi. And if you want to hear more from the Canadian Jewish News stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, the cjn.ca. Thanks. I'm at ralphbenmergie.ca. We'll see you next time on Yehobitsville.